Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning, everybody. This is a, I believe, the fifth, fourth or fifth uh, archery unfiltered podcast. I can't believe I made it this far. <laughs> Starting to struggle for content like two episodes ago, and then I just started just started rambling, and it all kind of came together. Um, this is a very special episode. Because it's about something I feel that I know something about. Which I'm sure I don't. I'm sure anyone out there can be like, oh dude, you're all wrong. But basically, this is going to be the arrow building episode. And I freaking love building archery arrows. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys know this, but in bicycles, in the bicycle world, there are guys whose sole day job it is to build wheels. They're wheel builders. They think they're engineers, but they're really just hipsters that figured out how to tension spokes correctly. I am that. I always like feel like I am that with arrows. And uh, after this episode, you guys will be too. I mean, you might not like it as much as I do, but you'll definitely know all the same bullshit that I know. So I'm going to give you the pre-episode rundown what i'm gonna teach you guys or at least just talk about and you guys are gonna listen to are uh is one is how to select an arrow how to cut your arrow which i'm not really gonna get into too much because i think you guys can all figure it out three uh spine index your arrow four select your point five select the vein six install the vein seven add your pin and knock um a lot goes into building a decent set of arrows and it to be fair it doesn't have to you could really i'm sure there's someone out there that's gonna be like oh you know you just plug a point in put a knock on put your veins on and go shoot your bow and that's a legitimate that is a that guy that says that will definitely probably beat me (laughs) this given moment that guy can beat me but um you know i don't know exactly how other people build their arrows. I've taken a bunch of things from a bunch of people, including that guy, and uh, I'm going to share them all with you. So let's get into the very basics. First, you get to build a purpose-built arrow. And to me, there's no real difference between the field arrow and the safari arrow. Even though safari is a 3D game, it's not shot like we're shooting 3D, like an ASA or IBO or something. And if you look at like the OPA, those guys are shooting pretty much a field arrow. Um, yeah, don't I, I can't remember, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure if you go to YouTube and type in OPA and you look at the shoot down finals, everyone's shooting like an X10 or something like that. But basically, <clears throat> you're gonna build a field arrow, and that will get you through just about everything outdoors. At least on the West Coast, we don't really shoot like the ASA style stuff. Um, there is the Sportsman's Expo event, which is so much fun, uh, but you know. That only comes around once a year, and who knows if it's coming back. I think it might be, but anyway, you're going to build a field arrow. So where does that start at? Well, there's three different types of arrows, and when I say three different types, what I really mean is three like ruling diameters of outdoor field arrow, and there's more now. Like, to this day, you could go on and see, like, Easton has a Super Drive 19. They got the 4 mil, or I guess 4 mil doesn't count, but 5 mil. They also do the six mil, then they have the six five match, and then there's you know you can go on all day. But basically, <clears throat> what everyone, most people, your common folk, shoot what is called the what I call the one six six arrow, which is basically the uh, the VAP victory VAP diameter arrow. It's also the uh, Eastern Carbon one. It's anything with the inside diameter of one six six, and there's a lot of good arrows out there. I believe the Easton Easton uh, ACE is like that. The um, Pro Comp I think is pretty close. I think they call it four mil, but you know you could plug a a VAP point in there if you wanted to. What is it? You know 
What does that tell you? Um, so pretty much everyone shoots 166. Mostly those noobs out there at the field. Like you go to the field and you see some like really gawky, awkward looking guys shooting a bow. They're probably shooting a 166 arrow. It's kind of the standard now. And then you have your elitists that walk around like with looking out down their nose on people. Those guys are always shooting X10s or Nano Pros. I myself am one of those elitists. Um, those are kind of, a, I believe the outside diameter for those is a 0.19-ish. And, and I should clarify, those VAPs, the 166 arrow, the outside diameter is actually 0.23 is what it is. Um, the X10 Nano Pro, I mean, it's Nano Pro Extreme because now the RZs are like something in between. It's one of those ugh, fucking in-between diameters. But anyway. Those are your elitist arrows. There's basically any arrow that costs, any dozen that costs about 400 bucks, I will call an elitist arrow. And I have plenty of them. All right. I'll give you guys the straight, oh God, I hate this term, the straight dope. Uh, and then, you know, if you guys don't like it, you can pull my ghetto card or whatever. But I have, I have pretty much most arrows under the sun. Before I had a baby, I had money to kind of throw around. So I've tested a lot of things. And then without getting too far, off the off the beaten path here. Uh, the old standard was the two four six diameter standard hunting arrow. It was like your hunting arrow, but then they kind of came out with, oh, our tolerances are better than the hunting arrow. You know, the point zero zero one. They got hunter pros, but basically the two four six, that was the arrow that kind of kicked off everything. At least in my opinion, a lot of records have been set with that arrow. So all of these arrows are good. Is what I'm trying to get at. Thinner arrows, they're said to be less affected by crosswind. Uh, are they? Maybe. And I know an Easton engineer, if they ever listen to this, would be like, you are so dumb for saying maybe. But let me explain why I believe it's maybe. I am a guy with a very short draw length, like 26 and a half inches, right? That's your standard Asian guy draw length. And before you freak out, I am Asian, all right? I'm half Asian, Asian American, so... Don't come with me with your cancer, cancel culture bullshit, okay? But basically, if you have a really short draw length, uh, the wind is going to affect your arrows more because you're putting out less speed. You don't have enough zip behind your arrow to out, outpace the, the wind. So my arrows are always affected by the wind. There is, no, there is no way around it, whether or not I'm shooting an X10 or I'm shooting a VAP. Now, how much they are? I can't tell you because I've only shot one or the other. I've never shot them side by side. That would be something that you would have to do to figure that out. But the theory is on an X10 or the elite, you know, any of the elitist style arrows, there's less surface area to get pushed by the wind. And that does make sense. That does make sound sense to me. But I think if you have a faster arrow, you can outrun some of that, you know, wind drift. So... I wrote down some examples of those three types of arrows being used today. Um, Chris Perkins just like took a huge dump on the world and whooped everyone in writing with the X10. So that tells you right there, the X10 is not a crap arrow. Um, my buddy, Tim, Tim Otis, he uses Easton ACEs, and he won in the team event. And the Easton ACE is a 166 diameter arrow. That is also the arrow that I won field nationals with. I did not win it with an X10. I won it with Easton ACEs. Those are really awesome arrows. Um, and Tim gave me the the rundown on his ACEs, and uh, I just got like, I got heart flutters because I just missed those those arrows. Really fun. They're fun to shoot. They, they land great. Uh, and then for the 246, Paul Penrod, Tim's teammate, shot the 246 diameter arrow. I believe he shot East, or no, I'm sorry, Gold Tip Ultralight Pros. So those three styles of arrow are all being used today. They are all effective, they're all dominating. Paul also won Senior Pro last year, or I'm sorry, not last year, two years ago with that same arrow. And he was like, it's just not, it's like, why change it? You know, it rocks. Um, I'm putting words in his mouth, but that is, <laughs> that is pretty much the gist of it. So basically, I'm telling you, pretty much any arrow can do damage if you set it up right. 
And by damage, I mean to targets. Don't go out there and get all fucking weird and make archery weird for people. Like, just... for It does damage on targets, all right? So pick an arrow you want to shoot. Well, uh, what, how's that, what does that mean? Well, okay, first I would say, you know, get .003 straightness or better. Or three, three thousandths straightness or better. And... I, I am always stressing on this podcast not to buy stuff, but this is going to be one where I'm going to tell you what to buy, all right? If you're going to buy an arrow, and you're going to buy, say you go for the 1,000 straightness, all right? Buy two dozen. No matter what you do, buy two dozen arrows. And you're going to say, well, why? Okay, because let me give you the rundown. You're going to build a dozen. You're going to do all this work. You're going to build a dozen. Your first arrow, you're going to lose somewhere. You're going to shoot it off into the bushes. You're going to break it on something. And you're like, nah, I won't. I'm a pro. And it's like, okay, maybe you won't. You're going to lose it later. I promise you. That thing is going to the gods. One arrow always goes to the archery gods. You have to give it to them. And so uh, then you're going to have 11 all right, and then someone's going to shoot the back of your arrow, and then you're going to have 10, and then you're going to be like, oh, man, I'm getting low, even though you've only lost two, and then when you get down to eight, you're going to feel fucked, all right? So get two dozen and do all this work ahead of time, and then shoot this one setup all year long, okay? Two years even, if you can. So if it were me, if I were you, all right, I would go to your local shop or... I would go to West Coast Archery, maybe not your local shop, and uh, I would buy two dozen of a 1,000 straightness arrow. Um, any diameter. Whichever one tickles your fancy. If you want to be cool like Paul, get a 246. If you want to walk around and like, uh, like look down at people and be like, oh, commoner, then get the X10s. They're legit. I think pro comps are right in between. They're like 166, and you can kind of get that little like elitist feeling going. So get two dozen of them, and it'll save you money in the long run. Let me tell you what's not like a frugal thing to do is to buy one dozen of an arrow, shoot it down to eight, and then go buy another dozen of a different type of arrow, do all this crap to build it, and then realize, oh, I should have got more of the first one, and then go back and buy the first one again. I mean, this is me personally. If you guys saw how much carbon I have... Like just sitting in my basement, you would uh, you would be astounded. Um, and the other thing is, if you shoot one, ar- the longer you shoot that one arrow, that's built right, the more time you have to dial in your sight marks and do all that other stuff, all that tuning and stuff. It becomes a, a constant. It's no longer a, a moving variable thing, you know. And it's something that you can lean on. You can like, I know that arrow's built good. So this is, you know, this miss that I just had, it's got to be something else. Assuming that, you know, you're not, you're not missing a vein or something on that one arrow. So everyone's like, okay, Wendell, you said buy two dozen of one arrow, but what spine? So what I've found, the way I pick spine recently is I will take whatever arrow that I have on hand plug it into Archer's Advantage, like build it in Archer's Advantage and I'll get two sight marks. And then Archer's Advantage will tell me, based on the speed, what the spine is for that arrow. And then you can go to Shaft Selector, which is in like the upper left-hand corner, and then you can play around and see what, what you're looking for. And then from there, I'll pick Slightly Stiff, all right? Um, in the past, I mean, before I get into all that, Slightly Stiff is safe. If you use any of the spine charts, whether it's Gold Tip, Easton, what have you, they are all going to place you slightly stiff or super stiff. They're just going to they're going to err on the side of caution unless somehow miraculously it lands you on optimum. I've never had that. It's always put me on the stiff side. So, I do that with Archer's advantage. I I tend to, you know, push it towards the stiff side. When I shot those Easton ACEs for Field Nationals, those were marge no slightly weak and at the time everyone was talking about the name changes sometimes people are like levi morgan says shoot him slightly slightly weak because it's better at distance and then i've heard other people say jesse broadwater says shoot him slightly weak because they're more forgiving at distance uh i bought into it and i did it and it worked but was that the slightly stiff part or was it the fact that Easton aces are like really well-built arrows you know I, I would, I would, 
wager was the second. Um, and I remember I got to talk to one of the masters out there, Kevin Wilkie, in Nevada City once. I think he shot like two down or one down, something ridiculous in Nevada City. And he was just rolling through just to, just to say, hey. He was like just in town for the day to be like, does anyone need gold tip arrows? And he just destroyed at this outlaw tournament. And he told me that he shot an arrow that was too stiff or like marginally stiff. And he says, it's not bad. He says, does not hinder you because you can tune a stiff arrow. He said, too weak is what's bad. And he used this analogy like if you have an, uh, a weak nail and you smack it with a hammer. Let's say you put it like halfway into a board and you smack it with a hammer. Which way does it fold? Well, it can fold either which way. But if you have a nail that's too stiff and you drive it into a board, it's always going to drive in straight, assuming you hit it straight. So, you know, I, I kind of like that analogy. It makes sense in my brain. I've taken arrows that were like 300 spine out and shot them side by side to my 500s and then my the small amount of testing i did they looked pretty damn identical uh, i think i went with 500s just because they were lighter at the time so yeah that, that'll tell you i shoot like a 500 ish spine um i shot 400s and did really good with those but 500 is about where i hang out with my baby draw length and uh yeah so you guys figure that out for yourself. Everyone's going to be different. If you're, uh, you know, six foot five, don't tell me you bought 500 spine arrows unless you're like shooting 10 pounds. Um, but yeah, try to run for optimal or slightly stiff, you know, uh, or just go stiff. Who cares? You know, you're not gonna, at this point, I think bows are so freaking good. You can get away with stuff as long as it's not weak. As long as you're not going to shoot and that arrow is going to bend like a boomerang before it kicks off of your bow. Oh, yeah. It's coffee day. It's coffee time. All right. So uh, where do you cut these arrows at? Well, if you got a baby draw length like me, you get to cut a lot off an arrow. So I can get most arrows pretty straight. Like I, I've done experiments with the uh, Easton Carbon 1 because those are 3,000 straightness. And I can get them, I think I can get them to one. I don't know. I don't have a, a laser gauge or whatever to do all that. If you're super long in the arms uh, and you have like a 30-inch draw length, well, you got less to play with. So you better buy the straighter arrow. Um, but I like to cut my arrows a half inch to three quarters in front of the blade where the blade sits. Three quarters is a little safer if you haven't already torque tuned your setup. And with the way that the new risers are, are coming out with like these two marking or the two holes, two burger holes, you get a lot of adjustment out of just about any rest. So you can, you know, you can get some real torque tuning going on. Um, so maybe, you know, cut three quarters to where your rest is like right in the middle or half inch from the very front. Who knows? Uh, just be, be mindful. When you cut arrows, that makes them stiffer. And um, I should say, uh, I think I, I spied on Mark Rubio. And Mark Rubio leaves like, I think, an inch or two inches in front of his blade. And that is how my Easton ACEs shot at Field Nationals. I, I had them like two inches in front of the blade, and they were so forgiving. So maybe you'd want to do that. Uh, the best scores I have ever shot in my life were, everyone knows, at Lodi. And I was shooting nano pros cut right to the blade. I mean, like if I pulled too hard into the stops, the point that like the shoulder of the point would touch the blade, which is not great. But those are the best arrows I've ever shot. I'm I'm currently trying to recreate that arrow now. So how much does cutting them down stiffen them? I think every inch is like ten, no, like whatever spine ratings it is. So if you have like a and it's at, at 28 inches is what they measure the spine at. So if you have a 500 spine arrow at 28 inches, if you cut it to 27, I think it becomes a 490. And then you cut two inches, it's 470. So that's my, that's what I've always gone off of. That might be super wrong, but that's what I'm going to tell you is the truth. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the, the Rubio arrow flies good. The Easton AC flies good. You could, really can't go wrong 
but I'm pretty sure if you go past two to three inches hanging off your blade, it's going to start to fly like shit. I think four inches, possibly three inches is like you're getting into shitty territory. Um, after you cut them, you know, if you, we're going to build, say you got two dozen, we're going to build the best arrows you've ever, ever owned. So you, if you want to go down this route, what you do next is weigh them. Do I do this? No. I have not done this in a long time because... To me, weighing them doesn't, I don't see it downrange that much. I don't know who does do this. That's a pro. But if you want to do it for peace of mind, then that's what you would do next. You would weigh them all and write the weights down. You would also take the average weight for all of them. So you'd, you'd have like, I'm going to say two dozen bear shafts here that you just cut to where your sweet spot, where you think your sweet spot is going to be on your arrow rest. Take all those numbers, add them together, divide them by the total number of arrows. So divide it by 24. You should get the average weight of that arrow. That's going to be the weight that you aim for for indexing. You're going to weight index all your arrows. So you're going to all weigh the same after this. So then when you're on the line and someone else is trying to shoot, you could be like, you know my arrows are only plus or minus one grain of uh, arrow weight or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> all right, so... Let me coffee up here. Um, point weight. So now you got your your arrows are all marked out. You got all the they're cut perfect. I think you have to use like a little deburring tool or something from Easton to kind of do like a slight chamfer on the insides. I don't know. I don't do that. I just cut them. Um, and it's just you try to roll it. You know, if you try to roll your arrow or spin it while you're cutting it, it'll make a nice clean cut on all sides. You don't have to worry about using the G5 squaring tool. At least I don't, you, maybe people out there will, you know, correct me and tell me it makes a huge difference. But generally, I'm shooting Nano Pro Extremes. It's like the the the, uh, the recurve arrow because they're a little, I, I just had really good luck with those. And it seems like after cutting them, you don't really have to do much. You don't have to do the squaring because, I mean, maybe you do, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to do the perfect arrow, why not square both ends? Go out there and get that G5 tool and square the ends. I like to, What I used to use was a piece of wood and a piece of sandpaper. If you take two pieces of wood, screw them together at 90 degrees, take a piece of sandpaper, tape it to the side, and then spin your arrow on that piece of wood. You can get things nice and flat. So what point weight are you going to say? Should I go for next, Wendell? Well, uh, Easton Engineers. I say, I've said this on Rudecast. The Easton Engineers say... You cannot beat a 120-grain point. They said that is the point of diminishing returns. No pun intended. So, you know, with that being said, Easton also makes a 140-grain tungsten point because they have shooters that are like, I want to shoot 140. So there are guys out there that pound with 140 grains. 120 is the point of diminishing returns, though. Science says that. Like, Easton scientists say that. Uh... With that being said, the Korean women's recurve team, I'm pretty sure they all shoot 100 grain points. Now, that is a recurve bow, but I think their arrows fly about as fast as mine. So, I think you can get away with 100 grain points also. I think women and children should shoot either... I mean, Okay, men, shoot 100 grain, 120 grain point. If, you're, uh, if you can like scratch your knees um, without bending over, shoot 140 grain point. I don't care. Uh, women shoot a hundred grain point. If you're a beefy woman, shoot a hundred and twenty grain point. And children shoot eighty grain points. Just put put something in there. Um, so yeah, the hundred twenty grain point. I cannot stress that enough. That there are scientists at Easton that believe you cannot get better than that. There's all these rules in archery, and people break these rules. And that's the thing. I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff. Break these. They're not rules, but break this advice as much as you can if it gives you better results and tell me about it so I can share it and tell everyone else, you know, like let's, let's all figure this thing out together. Um, I've shot 140 grain points. They fly awesome. I've shot 120. I've shot my best scores with 120 grain points. I've shot decent, really good scores with 100 grain points. I've shot 80 grain points once to see if um, Tim Gillingham says your, your arrow sweet spot speed should be 270 feet per second. 
I, I made some really lightweight pierce tours once with, uh, I think there were 600 spine cut down to right to the blade with 80 grain points and shooting it felt like I was dry firing my bow and like the string was hitting my arm. It's like my string never hits my arm. So if that tells you something, that arrow was so light that any horizontal knock travel was being amplified or was not being absorbed by the arrow. Wrap that around your noggin. Okay, so I this is a little part that's out of place because I'm kind of skipping around here, but I hot melt my pin bushings in. Some people use uh, like sandwich baggies or uh, like the bag that the the points came in. Yeah, you could do that. Grocery bags, whatever. I'm gonna hot melt it just because you know I'm not I'm not keen on using a grocery bag <laughs> for, for my arrows um for hot melt uh it's i use a hot uh, like a hot glue stick from that i stole from my job uh, i build speakers for a living and we use hot melt industrial hot melt uh it's it's a stick that's yellow and it's kind of rubbery and i've heard other people talk about using hot glue from like joann's and that rubbery stuff it does it's just less brittle and you don't get like this weird creaky thing that goes on with your points also i should be my like i would be out of line in telling you that you should slather your arrow shank or you should i should be out of line in not telling you you should make sure that arrow shank is fully covered in hot melt if you have like little dry spots you will hear it uh if you like push on your point it'll you'll hear like that little creak that it'll sound like there's a crack somewhere in there but that's not it there's just an air gap like a very minor air gap and i've seen who was it i think it was george riles was testing people's arrows by dropping them on the ground and they were if they weren't built right if they didn't glue it right it was like it would buzz and i've i've done that myself i've tested that you like you drop your arrow and it'll go buzz when it hits the ground and that's the shank vibrating between the little tiny amount of air and your and your carbon shaft or, or something like that the, something's not glued basically is the gist of it and he was testing matt stutzman he went right to the guy with no arms and was like did you glue that right and it was like dude oh well, i cut him some slack but guess what he did actually you know it's like <laughs> you gotta go to the guy with no fingers and be like you did you put your watch on correctly today um, so yeah, you don't have to buy the blue stick or the yellow stick of whatever's in the archery shop. You can to help them out or to support your local shop, but I'll be the first guy to tell you, uh, what's optimal in my mind is something else. All right. Uh, something that's a little softer, a little more pliable. Maybe it takes, you know, a little more heat in my experience. It's about the same. It takes about the s same as the blue the blue uh, low heat stuff. So you're going to plug your point in. Maybe you already have your pin in there. You're going to scrape off the little excess that squeegees out. And then you're going to spin them. So, oh, you know what? You know what? I've, I've, I got you onto this weight indexing thing. Before you put your points in, weigh them all. And then you're going to spend three hours matching them up to your bear shafts so that they all weigh the same so the points in the shafts weigh the same and then you're gonna you're gonna hot melt them in and realize now they all weigh something different so but you know you weight index them so you're that much ahead of the game so uh now you're gonna spin them and uh make sure all of them are nice and straight if you get they they'll all be straight i have i don't think i've ever built and it like cut glued point in and then spun it and been like oh whoa that's way out unless they were like a year old and the points were kind of questionable so you got a bunch of bear shafts here um time to spine index them this is something i've preached in the past that i don't do anymore um if you have an all carbon arrow there is the theory that these things are kind of wrapped over a mandrel and uh because of that there is a an overlap point and on that overlap you're gonna get a stiff a stiff side have you guys ever wondered how far we've come in archery to just like there's so many keyboard uh 
theorists out there that like you can go on archery talk and find this where some guy is going to be like well this is exactly what it is that you, you understand that the carbon is overlapped now there's a stiff side here and then there's a opposing stiff side on the other side which makes the 290 degree sides from there the weak sides and that might actually be right but think about that we've come so far in trying to pick apart our equipment that we are disseminating the manufacturing process of these arrows <laughs> this is crazy at this point i would tell you like if you if this is overwhelming just build them without all this x don't wait don't wait index them don't spine index them and just go shoot them you can still get good results with a two dozen but if you want to get crazy we're going to spine index them what i do or what i have done like with my easton carbon ones i was going to make a point that the easton carbon one shoots as good as x10s so i took that carbon one bare shaft walked out to 50 yards and just started shooting at the middle right maybe i adjusted my sight a little bit because my bear shafts fly like a little bit off from my flight shafts so adjust my sight till the arrow hits in the middle of that until i get one in the middle and then i'll just start shooting them all and i'll pull all, all the ones that hit the middle i'll pull and i'll put back in my quiver or I'll, I'll put aside you know i mean you put them on the floor if there's no one else there and then all the ones that are out I'll, that are not in the spot, I'll pull them and then rotate the knock a little bit, all right? And all the knocks have like a little tab, like uh, G knocks have like a little tab on one side um, so you can feel it and you can tell like which side, you know, where the orientation of that knock is. It, I can't remember if biters do this or not, but if they don't, you're going to want to mark those arrows. The ones that are in, mark them so that you always put them back in your bow the same every time. Pull all the ones that aren't in, turn that knock a quarter, go back to that 50-yard line and shoot them again. And keep doing it. Keep repeating this process till they are all in the middle. I've done this for other people. I've spine indexed other people's arrows. And I feel like on the carbon one, it made a difference. I don't know if it was placebo effect, but goddamn, those arrows felt really good. Like they felt, I don't want to say like X10s, but I could not fault those arrows for anything. And to be honest... X10s are not the most forgiving arrow I've ever shot. The most forgiving arrow that I have ever shot was the Easton ACE. Cut a little bit longer. Um, or the Nano Pro Extreme cut a little shorter. So as you can see, I'm, you're getting nowhere with me. <laughs> so that's one thing you can do to spine test. You can also put them on a Space Age uh, spine tester. I know people that have done this where they take their arrow and they put it on this like digital spine tester it rotates your arrow and it will tell you the four the two stiff points the two weak points and where you need to index your shit um you could also get super reckless and smoke a bowl of crack and drill two holes into your bow press all right um i've seen this done and then you put your arrow into the you put the point into one hole and then you put the knock into the other and then you slowly crank down your bow press until it flexes your arrow and that arrow should flex the same direction either time e uh, either way every time assuming that you drilled those holes in the opposite same spot i don't know that seems real that seems real uh yeah i don't know if i'd want to do that but i've seen guys do it i think dan mccarthy used to do that to his 3d arrows to spine index them so uh spine indexing that's pretty much it what you're doing is you're finding the stiff side whatever it may be or the carbon or the what have you i've heard george ryle say that what you're actually doing is finding the tolerance issue with the pin with your pin bushing itself like george ryle believes that there is like a five thousand or you know six thousand tolerance difference on the angle of your pin bushing and that's actually what you're seeing whatever it is you're going to find whatever that the difference is and you're going to make all your arrows bias in that the same direction so that is actually a good argument for doing the spine indexing you know i you can do it you can do it. i've done it i'm not doing it right now because i don't have the time okay but if i did have the time and I was a young uh, buck uh, getting out there to, you know, do battle with all you others, then, yeah, I would do it. But do you need to? Probably not. Uh, should you? Yeah. Yeah, you probably should. 
Um, I wrote here on my notes, all we're doing is making uniformity and ruling out variables. Do these variables matter? Sure. If you were a T-1000 shooting in a vacuum, but you're not. You're a bag of meat that is not confident in what you're doing. <laughs> if that's the case, that group's going to be a lot bigger. And even if you do get confident, you know, it depends on what kind of meat you are. Um, but, you know, doing this stuff, for me also, especially with when I do this to carbon ones, it gives me peace of mind. And it helps me, th- like, not blame my equipment. And that's important. It's important to not be one of those people that blames your gear all the time. That you know the gear is set. I did a good job with the gear. I've tuned everything. Keep in mind, you don't want to be closed-minded, all right? If you are shooting an arrow and you have a fat crack down your knock and it's not going in the middle and uh, someone tells you, like, hey, you should change that knock and you're so closed-minded that you don't, you might end up bucking yourself in the arm. So, you know, be confident in your gear within reason, okay? Um, so you've, you've spine indexed, you got your 120 grain point in there. You got a good set of weight, like your plus or minus, we'll say half a grain for all 24 arrows, which in my mind sounds impossible. I've had arrows go plus or minus like five grains before or six grains or even seven grains. I did not see it downrange. And maybe that's not saying much for the arrow, but maybe it's not saying much for me either. <laughs> maybe you'll see it at 100 yards. There's a test, you know. Get Just just wait. In, you're building the ultimate set of arrows. Just wait index them anyway, all right? Make them all the same. Do yourself a favor. Um, so now it's vein, the vein section. Time to put some veins on. Uh, just so you guys know, the vein that dominates... The skinny arrow game, all right, is going to be a small two-inch or under, two inches or under, shield-cut vein. Uh, And that doesn't mean there's other stuff out there that won't work, okay? I'm just telling you what dominates field archery, safari archery, all right? It's going to be a tiny vein. Uh, a uh, A target arrow doesn't need a big vein, and... I, I know my buddy Rudy out there is shooting the, what do they call it, the, the AAA-23 vein. Rudy, when you, when you do get around to finally listening to my podcast, strip that shit off your arrows and put a legit vein on there. Gotcha! So, my favorites, uh, I'll just give you the rundown if I were to rate them. Uh, my favorites are first, like if you, if you want to pick one vein for the rest of your archery, field archery career... The 187 FFP is, you cannot beat that in any way. It's super durable. It's a lightweight vein. I think they weigh like three some, like three grains per vein. It has decent stiffness, all right? And, you know, stiffness comes into play too. If you're, if you're shooting a feather and you shoot it, that, that when it's flying out of your arrow, it's going to fold over. Um, stiffness will play into steering. Uh, it's a durable vein. You can't like, I, I can't have uh, who out there has a gripe against the FFP one eight seven. It's the, just the best. It's hands down top of the line vein. Um, I've, I've shot them. I shoot other veins cause other veins look cooler. The FFP one eight seven just looks plain, but I've got, because I have a baby, I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys so many baby excuses for why I, why I do what I do. But basically I'm going back to the 187 because I'm going to fletch up two dozen arrows and I'm not building arrows at least for two more years. I'm going to I'm gonna stick to this next arrow for at least two years. Okay, uh, second place. The second place vein is the AAE 187 hybrid, uh, you know, soup special. It's not durable, but it is lightweight. And it, as far as stiffness goes, it'll, it's stiff enough for us, Okay. Maybe not stiff enough for a crossbow, but it is stiff enough. That is my second favorite vein. I've I've won countless events shooting that vein. They are awesome. They're everything you need. They're lightweight. The only my only gripe against AAE veins is they are not durable. 
Like uh, some people, if you're if their arrow just breathes on your arrow when it's in a target, the the vein will get like a little nick or cut on them. And I'm about to gift some arrows to uh, one of one of my students. I say ex student because I don't really coach anymore. But I'm about to gift some arrows to a student that has a bunch of AAE veins on it, and I'm a little embarrassed because they are they it, they look like a bunch of fishes that have a fin disease. Like they've been so, shot so much that their the veins are all kind of like chipped and eroded, you know, and like just eaten up a little bit. AAEs don't do good in targets where there's going to be more than one arrow shot into it. They are good veins though. Just, you know, have it in mind. You're going to you're going to be clipping little nicks and pieces off of them by the end of the season. My third place favorite vein is the Bonning X vein. It's like, whoa, Wendell, that's out of left field. It is. My idol, Mark Rubio, shoots the Bonning X vein. I believe it's the 175. Medium durability, lightweight, medium stiffness, 4.3 grains a, a vein. It's pretty much the standard vein. They look cool, all right? Um, they're a little more shield cutty than most. Um, they're. There's nothing wrong with that vein. There's no gripe against that vein. They're a little more durable than that AAE vein. They're not as durable as the FFP-187. So, bam. Uh, fourth, fourth place favorite vein is the AAE-17. It's just like... The, it's all the same qualities of the uh, shield cut. It's not shield cut. It's a... I believe they call it a parabolic vein. It's a tiny, tiny parabolic vein that's a little bit taller than the, the 185. It's called the AAE-17, hybrid, whatever. Those are cool. Again, you will shoot little little slices through those veins, especially if you're shooting good. My fourth, fifth place, favorite vein, and that's not to knock these. These are all veins that I would shoot at this moment. Uh, fifth place favorite vein is the Q2I 175. Uh, I believe it's the SL, which is super, you know, the the shorter, the shorter height version. The Q2Is are sick. They are 4.5 grains of vein. They have medium durability. They are not lightweight. They are super stiff. They steer. Like, they are, I think that's one of the coolest things about Q2Is. They made a super stiff vein. Um, with that being said, that vein, I have never had a dozen arrows fletched up with Q2Is where I did not have holes uh, in my veins from shooting them. Either that means they're all super, they fly super good, or it just means that those veins cannot, because they're so stiff, they will not fold and get out of the way, if that even happens. Uh, it is my, you know, it is the lowest on my rank of favorite veins, but it is on there. Like, I do like those. And there is a foot, the base of the Q2I vein is like some kind of rubbery material so you just like you don't have to prep them i prep all of them anyway just because i'm anal and someone's gonna be like oh you're not supposed to do that well i don't care you know you don't you don't have to do it my way but the q2i the foot on the q2i is so cool because you can dab glue on it and when you put it down on the arrow it almost sticks instantly it there's something about it, it that it bonds really well now if you want to switch veins you're going to be slicing that rubber foot off of your arrow, and that's not fun. <laughs> You're going to have to... It's work. Um, let see. Uh, you could, if you were like a Howard Hughes level crazy, weigh all your veins, and then index those veins to your arrows. I mean, you're playing with decimal points at that, or decimal places at that point. But uh, you could do it. I don't do it. I just, you know, I've never had the time for that, even when I did have the time. So, yeah. Uh, what glue do I use for veins? Uh, cyanoacrylate, which is pretty much every single vein glue on the market, which is a super glue that has been poured into a different bottle. Um, I've heard, I think <clears throat> my <clears throat> old sensei Emerson used the blue lid, the blue top gorilla glue. If it says cyanoacrylate and it's a gel, that's the stuff you want. Uh, I use a Zing Primer Pen. Let me let me just look behind me. Yes, I use both the Zing glue and the Zing Primer Pen. I also use the uh, the Tack Vein glue, which is <clears throat> probably the exact same shit. Um, 
I use the primer pen on all my veins, even the AAE no prep veins. Like I, I just use it just to be safe and take all the oils off. I know that's like, I think <clears throat> another podcast host that at the time he had a ponytail said that if you do that, you open up pores in the vein, which is like a bad thing. I've never had a bad experience with that. They, they stuck just fine. Um, you clean your shafts with denatured alcohol or just make sure there's not, not grease on them. I'm telling you right now, what's crazy is I did not do that for my current arrows. I stripped the old veins off with a blade and just made sure not to touch them. And now I've glued veins to them. And the way I do it, they are rock freaking solid. And I have not cleaned the, the, the area that I stick the veins to. I'm not saying you don't have to do this, okay? You should definitely take the proper steps. If you're building the ultimate set of arrows, do this. Clean clean the base of the or the clean that section of arrow shaft. Um when I get to fletching, I use a Bitsenberger jig, uh, which it used to be like the bomb standard was the Bitsenberger jig. Do you guys remember that? Now if you use a bits jig, you're seen as like a poor person. Which I guess I am now. Um, <laughs> I use a straight clamp and I offset it to one or two degrees to the direction that my bear shaft spins. I did not write this in my notes, but I preach this all the time. I've been preaching it forever. You have a mark on your knock from where you bear shaft indexed your spines, right? Plug that, plug that arrow in with that mark facing straight up and then Go to a bale, stand about six or seven feet away and shoot it and see which direction your arrow spins. If it spins to the left, I still believe, even though Paige Pierce did a video showing that she had two arrows that spun two different directions, I still believe that your string, the direction your string is twisted dictates the direction your arrow spins. It has always been that way for me and it is predictable. People like my buddies are buying uh, America's Best Bow Strings, which are twisted the opposite direction than normal and their arrows will spin clockwise and i don't know why america's best does that and i don't know why people want to run uh a right degree you know right helical or whatever because i feel like you're gonna get closer to your cables with a with a right directed vein but i guess if you're shooting a small enough vein it doesn't matter i will not buy america's best bowstrings right now because i don't want to refletch all my arrows they are i've seen all my arrows kind of rotate left so i shoot you know i would shoot like a gas bowstring or a uh what's it called uh i guess that would be a winner's choice i don't know but uh i would shoot strings twisted going the like the way that my bow already is so that i don't have to refletch everything going the other way and does it make a big difference i don't know all this stuff all this stuff i'm telling you to do is for marginal gains but keep in mind, Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France like 20 times based on marginal gains. Like he set his game plan around marginal gains. We are going to, every little thing, we're going to get 2% better. All right. My steroids are going to be 2% better than your steroids. And that is how we are going to do it. And that's how we do it in, in freestyle archery. You know, in our style of archery, we are trying to make marginal gains everywhere. And what's the end result? hopefully it's good scores so i do the straight clamp set it for one to two degrees offset prep the vein put a bead of uh super glue or what have you on that vein i put it down in the clamp and this is where i'm sure i'm gonna get flack for it i put that vein down and i leave it for four to five minutes i have come back and then had to like pry my clamp open leaving it like that i don't know what why but those veins stick so much better to that arrow shaft after having sat there for four minutes now what is that you know the the you get a rock solid vein to arrow shaft uh connection but what does that mean especially if you have two dozen it means you're gonna be fletching arrows for a whole effing day <laughs> and if you have a baby you're gonna be fletching arrows for a whole month and i think i have one two three four four left and i have one in the jig right now <laughs> four left to do and i don't even have a full dozen i think i got like 20 but it creates a bond that if you have a buddy 
like my buddy Jim, he used to walk up, grab my arrows, and then make a fist around the veins and, and twist and s- just to see how many arrows or how many veins would pop off. And I've lost, man, I've lost countless arrows because of Jim doing that. Um, but yeah, that's what it, the veins right now are rock solid. I didn't even prep the bases and they stick like crazy, but the cost is four to five minutes per vein on clamp. Now, someone out there is going to say, well, you know, Wendell, if you just prep those bases, you only got to do it for like 30 seconds. I've done that. Does not work the same. Does not work that great. So uh, I think I said I'm doing one to two degrees to the left with a straight clamp. Now, I think it was, and I don't want to give him credit for it, but I do believe John Dudley said that that is ballistically the best you could do for a field arrow. That like a three degree helical is too much. And you're now past the point of diminishing returns. I like everything to be right, you know, where you get as much as you can, but you're not giving anything up, you know? At least with arrows. That's what I'd like. So I think they said that was for distance, like, you know, the 60, 70, 80, 100-yard shots. That's what really shines is the one-degree offset, Um, not helical. I've heard a lot of people stress helical. I've shot helical and had good results. You you do what you think is going to be, you know, good for your brain. But nerds out there already have come to the conclusion that one degree off with a straight straight clamp is the way to go. So you got all your veins on. It is now a month from now, and you have 24 arrows all fletched up. Now you get to put your knock on. Now, you probably already have put your knock on to bear shaft index, all this stuff. So I'm kind of just going to go backwards in time and tell you why I pick the knocks that I pick. I shoot biter knocks. They're a little more expensive than most. Um, I like the biter knocks because they fit on my stock Matthews. I'm still shooting my stock Matthews string, which I know is going to, I'm going to lose credibility for saying that, but the stock Matthews string, the center serving is really thick and I like my knocks to clip on like you'll hear like an audible click and then they'll slide up and down they won't be like super grabbed or it won't super grab that center serving and most people be like well why don't you just set it, change your center serving i don't have time i don't have time and i do a crap job at doing that i've done it before like reserve my center serving and i did it so tight and so whatever material i used that i couldn't find any any knocks that would fit uh that would clip on they would all just like sit on and then fall off i probably just used the wrong serving material but i just don't want to do that right now i just don't have the time to do it i probably you know maybe someone else out there is better i did order a set of strings because i'm kind of like trying to revert back to the you know you know when you look at too much porn and you're computer fries and then you boot it up and it says return to last known good setup and you're like yeah and then you can go back to watching porn (laughs) well uh that's what i'm doing with my bow right now i'm going back to the setup that i really really liked which was 452 um undyed strings those were just my favorite you know what it just reminds me of having fun all right and maybe that's different for everyone else and maybe that's a terrible reason but 452 undyed um the guys i shot with in reading they had those strings and it just it brought me back to the the strings that i liked i also like um exit wire magnums but like i'm gonna use my baby excuse and say that i eventually want to send my kids to college or i want to send her to college and that means i cannot spend a tuition payment on some exit wire magnums those are really great strings also though they are a little bit slower. I believe the 452, um, the 452 is just, it's like the FFP. You know, I was talking about the FFP vein. It's boring, but God damn it, it, it is the best vein out there for your money. I feel the same thing about 452X uh, strings, you know, regardless of who makes them. I think ABB does it, but they, you know, my only gripe is they're twisted the, the wrong way. And what's wrong? Yeah, it's just wrong for me. Um, Genox are also good. I'm going to go out and say that my buddy Austin Watts shoots Genox, shoots him great. And hey, everyone, I should have started open the podcast with this. Austin Watts just shot a 922 at the Ishii Rock Shoot, another um, safari-style shoot. He shot a 922. That is two down. Austin, congratulations. 
every time you shoot good, I'm going to say on the podcast, I told you so to Rudy Sandoval. I predicted this happening years ago. Years ago, I said Austin Watts is going to be the next phenom in our in our local sport here. Um, good job, Austin. 922 is stellar. I have huge hopes for the future of your archery career. And I just hope, uh, you know, when you make it, you remember these uh, the old guys that said you could do it. And maybe you hook them up with some free shit. Um, okay, so Knox. Biter Knox I like because sometimes when I hit a knock. Now, this is bad advice. Don't follow this, but sometimes when I'm out practicing, I will hit my own knocks, all right? Not to say I'm all that, you know, I'm not as good as as Austin here, or, but um, you'll see it. You'll see it on that knock, and for some reason or another, I feel like biters stand up just a little more than your conventional, like, gold tip knock, and I'll plug it back in and shoot it, <laughs> If it's on the outside, you know, I'll I'll still shoot it. You should not do that. All right? Don't don't be like see a fat crack in your knock and then plug it back in and shoot it and buck yourself in the arm. All right? Um anytime I've done that, it's just been like a little nick on the outside. When you see that, what you should do is pull that knock off and throw it in the bushes. Or uh, recycle it. Don't don't throw it in the bushes so that, you know, a peregrine falcon flies down and eats it and chokes to death. Um but I feel like biter knocks are durable. They can take a little more of a beating than most. So that's why I like them. They're also really easy to see cracks on. Uh, it seems like this year, I, like, I don't want to put down a manufacturer, but it seems like gold tip knocks are cracking and exploding everywhere. So come on, guys. Get it together. Why is that happening? Um, I think uh, G knocks are pretty good for the most part. Um I had a bad habit in the past of when I would hit a knock and blow it up, I would pull it off and then I would take a file and file down my pin, like file the the knurled part of my pin down so that I could put a knock on and then shoot it again. And it would create little, there would be little like micro burrs on that pin that when I would then squeeze on my new G knock, it would look like cracks everywhere. So now I'm very, <laughs> I don't know why, but it's kind of freaked me out. And I stopped shooting Genox. I, I might, when I get my new strings in, if I if they Genox fit loose, if they clip on but slide like how I want them to, I'll go back to shooting Genox and I'll just pick one Genox, buy four dozen of them and shoot it for the next two years or all season or whatever. So yeah, knock fit is very important. Uh I think it was Dave Cousins that said, like, Oi, uh, you're going to want to have a little bit of play there, mate. You know? Uh, crikey, your knock is too is way too tight. So ever since then, I've always run it a little looser. You know? Um, Emerson has always told me, you know, clip on, slide it up and down. That's what you want. So there you have it, guys. I hope, you know, I've taught you something and you've, you're coming away from this podcast thinking like, man, I just learned some cool shit. I'm going to go do it with my next set of arrows. I'm going to run to West Coast Archery and buy some, <laughs> buy two dozen shafts. And when you do, tell them Wendell sent you. <laughs> or, you know, go wherever. And that's what you're going to want to do. Again, it's cheaper to just buy two dozen. You don't have to do all this crap. But starting with two dozen arrows, fletching them up and shooting them, even if that was your only process, is building two dozen and taking them out. You could take two dozen arrows, not do all this crap I said. Go to 100 yards, shoot them all, and then just take the ones that landed right in the 10 ring and make those your make those your, your work arrows. Those are the ones I'm going to shoot in competition and all these other ones. These other 20 arrows, I'm going to uh I'm going to use those for birdies or the short the short stuff. So hopefully this helped you guys. Uh I want to thank everyone who's still listening to this podcast. Uh, I know I, I stutter a lot. Sometimes I smack my lips when I'm drinking coffee. Uh, for everyone that's sticking it out, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate everyone who gives me props and says, I like it. I, you know, I like your podcast. This is what I want to hear next time. Keep it up. I, uh, thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, everyone out there. Thank you to my sponsors, Carbon Craft Stabilizers. Uh, they're awesome. Please, please call Adam and tell him you want or no, don't do it for me. But if you do want bars, hit Adam up personally and be like, I would like a set of bars, please. He loves 
the pressure that I put on him <laughs> to, to take time out of his day to go make more stabilizers for you guys. And thank you to uh, DB Custom Coatings. Uh, they're a huge driving force behind me doing this podcast. They're always giving me encouragement. Even the, the bad podcasts I released, they're like, it was good. And I know, I know these aren't all good. <laughs> I'm going to get my Target bow Cerakoted soon. I just don't know what color. I think I want to do camo just to just to be a little different, but that's that's the direction I'm going. I think I'm going to do some kind of camo. Hopefully Kuyu. But all right, guys, I'm going to end this podcast right at an hour. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you guys have a great Memorial Day and take care.